You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was literally in spring training at the end of my freshman year in a hurdler stretch in my football gear thinking, I wish I could accept some of these gigs next fall but I'm not going to be able to because I'm going to have football games. And then I thought, but if I want to really be doing the gigs, then I'm probably going to quit football. And if I'm going to quit football, I need to do that now. Hey, what's going on? It's me, Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. Here at Built for the Stage, we believe that actors are athletes. So if you're an actor, you're an athlete. So start training like one. If you want, go to the website, builtforthestage.com, and you can try a free trial where you'll work one-on-one with a coach that can help you start your journey on achieving your fitness goals. Once again, if you like the podcast, go ahead and rate, subscribe, leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. As always, we have a very special guest that we're super excited to chat with. I want you to welcome to Build the Stage podcast, Alan H. Green. Hey, Alan, what's going on? How you doing? We're doing real great right now. So excited to chat with you. You know, times of quarantine, you, you, you tend to find yourself a little bit more isolated than usual. So seeing someone, even though it's across the screen, seeing someone is always a good thing. So thanks so much. I feel you. I fled, uh, I live in Hell's Kitchen in New York and I fled down here to Houston, Texas to be with my family. So I'm here uh, with my mom and my sister, my nephew. And, you know, we've settled into a nice little routine um, and we're just, you know, just one day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. Houston, really hot right now down there? Yeah, it's been actually it's Baytown, about 30 miles east of Houston. But yeah, the, that's been one of the things, you know, comparing to my friends who are experiencing the apocalypse in New York, you know, it's the weather has helped a lot. I mean, of course, the backyard and the space doesn't hurt. But for the most part, the weather has been nice, you know, because for a while, really outside was the only place to be. Um, so, but of course, we've, we've opened up here a little bit, um, which, you know, may be to our detriment. Um, although it's not really the opening up, it's just that, you know, folks need to wear these masks. So, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Absolutely. You said that you were kind of settling into a routine here at Bill for the Stage. We're huge on routine. We're huge on having a schedule just to kind of keep us on track. 
Um, what things have you adapted to in your daily routine that have been helpful uh, during these times? Well, basically, I mean, for, for several days, my workout was the really only thing I had to do or that I chose to do. Um, so, so, so I intermittent fast, so I don't eat until two o'clock. And so I typically like to work out in the noon to two o'clock window before I eat my first meal. And so by the time I get up and, you know, scroll through the phone and see the mess that's going on in the world, it's like, okay, how am I going to work out? Am I going to go in the backyard? Am I going to go to a park? Um, I had access to a gym, uh, even when things were kind of closed down that I could go to a little bit. And now that the gym is open, um, I can certainly go. So yeah, the routine has basically been, and my family sleeps late. So I kind of have the morning to myself. I figure out my workout. And then by the time I get home, my family's just stirring. And then it's like, okay, what are we cooking for dinner? And, uh, and then we end up watching something with my mother on TV and then I'll watch something with like my sister and nephew. I refuse to watch TV until after I've eaten dinner. I'm just not going to sit all day and watch TV. And there've been like, you know, I've had to like put, I've done some play readings and I've done some Zoom things and I've, I've had to put some videos together for some benefit virtual concerts. So I, re I really do feel blessed because, you know, I've been down here, what, almost three months now. And, and I don't feel, I think every day so far, I've had like something I needed to do. Um, but the basic routine is that kind of stir until noon and then figure out the workout, then come home, eat my first little meal, and then, you know, have dinner. Turns out my sister can't cook. I did not know this. Because <laughs> when I come home, it's usually always about like what restaurants I want to go to, you know, because I'm only home for two or three days or whatever. So now that we're all cooking and then I've kind of like, I decided like after this is over, I have to be better at something. And so I've actually in, uh, improved my baking skills. Okay. What you know, what's your, what's your dish of choice right I now? I can now make my favorite biscuit. Okay. Anybody who knows me knows I love a biscuit <laughs> and I've just taken a couple of different recipes and played around with them. And so it's funny because every once in a while, um, so I'll be out working out and then my sister will kind of be stirring around one and they get up late because they stay up late. They'll, my sister and nephew will start a movie at 2 a.m. <laughs> I'm out. I'm like already way asleep. So anyway, that's why they're sleeping late because they're staying up late. So around one or two, I'll, I'll, she'll start stirring and I'll text and sometimes she'll just be like biscuits. <laughs> like, is that, is that what's happening today? Are we having breakfast for dinner? So now they're, it's like a whole thing. That's awesome. So for those of you that are listening, uh, Alan has, uh, an extended career on Broadway and also on TV film. And he's a very fit individual. If you're just listening and you've never seen Alan before, um, I think you'd be interested. And I know I am about what, your fitness routine has been um, or how it's evolved throughout the years to keep you in check physically um, to be able to do your job. Um, because throughout your career, you have had this uh, amazing athletic frame and it, it appears from the, the eyes that you are physically deaf beyond able to do your job. So tell our mm -hmm. listeners just like, how you've been able to maintain 
remain durable, all those uh, types of things. Right. Well, fitness has always been part of my life. We're, we're kind of an athletic family and I played college football and um, back when I thought I was going to be a lawyer and then I kind of get into this business. And, you know, it, it for, for me, you know, just the real tea that it, it, it started out for vanity is vanity really for me. You know, when you're in your 20s, you're just trying to be fit and cute. You're not really thinking about your health. You're thinking about your appearance. OK, so which, of course, is two different things. So kind of cut to my 30s. Um, I started realizing what was basically happening in my late 30s because I'd gained a little bit of weight because I because of the way that I ate, right? Because food, well, I'm the type of person who, when I go to bed, I know what I'm going to eat for my first meal. <laughs> I don't just eat to eat. Food is like a part of my world. It's I want to enjoy every meal that I eat. You know, I'm not one of these. It's like, you know, let me just do some chicken breast and broccoli and throw it down and be, that's not, that's not really how I roll. Um, so basically when I got into, into my late thirties, I kind of got into a position where work wise, it was like, okay, I would get down to the genie and I would get down to Apollo Creed, but my body really wasn't right for either one of those things. I was kind of in the middle. And so I kind of thought, okay, I need to probably go 10 pounds one way or the other. Um, and so I decided, let me go the Apollo Creed direction. And so one of the things about me is that I've always been a quote unquote big guy, right? Six foot one, big frame, you know, big presence, you know, whatever. Um, got all that from my dad. Um, but you know, the word big is different for people. So there've been times, this was all around the time when I would show up and, 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 and I, I remember there was within one week, I had two appointments where I met somebody. And when, as soon as they saw me, they were like, Oh, and I said, what, what is that? And they said, Oh, well, the way you were described, I thought you were going to be like this big, big dude. Like not muscular big, but like big, big. I, and I thought, oh, somebody's describing me that way. But then I realized it's just the definition of big is different for people, right? And also as the TV world started to open up for me, you know, I'm huge compared to the TV guys, right? And so that was really kind of limiting. So actually, um, it was James Brown III who told me about intermittent fasting. We did Peter Pan live together. And, I, and you know, they all got snatched for Rocky. And I was like, what were y'all doing? What, what, what is that, you know? So um, I brought that into my life. And then basically, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't realize people were taking all kinds of things and shoot. I was a little naive when it came to, I didn't realize people were shooting up stuff. I just didn't realize any of that. And, and, and at that point, because I'm quote unquote big genetically protein, creatine, all of that just makes me bigger, you know, which is what everybody else is trying to do. But I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I become the leanest version of my bigness, right? What, what do I do? And so the intermittent fasting immediately worked and was not difficult for me to do because I was like, oh, this ain't nobody's diet. I just got to, I can still eat the donuts. I just got to wait till two o'clock to eat the donuts and stop at 10 o'clock, you know, or whatever. Um, but what intermittent fasting did for me 
Um, and just for anybody listening, intermittent fasting is when you choose an eight-hour period to eat. It's basically that simple. And it keeps your body in a thing called ketosis, which keeps your metabolism going. And it kind of like breaks down your stored fat, which for me was like abdominal stored fat. So in the eight hours that I would eat, what it did for me was it made me more aware of what I was eating. Um, and so uh, like, so if I'm going to eat Popeye's for my late lunch, then my next meal is going to be like, you know, salmon and sweet potatoes and a salad. So it just made me realize like, oh, okay, you, you got the cinnamon roll. So are you going to eat that at three o'clock or you eat that at nine o'clock? You know, helps you with moderation for sure. Yeah. And it, and it also it just created an awareness. Um, I think when I was eating all day, I just was less aware, you know, by, by 10 o'clock, I'm not thinking about what I had at 10 in the morning. Right. But when you're only eating from 2 PM to 10 PM, I'm still mindful of what I've eaten. And so, um, and then, then I did a little bit of experimenting with like, okay, so what's affecting my body? Because like I said, everybody is out here running around doing protein shakes and creatine. And I tried the lean protein shakes and the soy protein shakes. And I even tried some of the like black market crazy stuff, right? I re just honestly, and all of it worked. It just made me bigger. So it wasn't what I was trying to achieve. So I, I did a lot that took about a year after I lost like 10, 15 pounds and got clearer in that body type professionally um, and really experimented with food. And I'm talking like I cut sugar for Lent once, you know, I went, you know, I tried to be a vegetarian for a hot second just to see how the different things would affect my body. And so now as a person who is older than 40, I, I, I'm very clear on what affects my body. Mm. And so all of that, like experimenting I did. Um, so, and, and some of it is obvious, but you know, we're all different. Our body types are different. What our goals are. Everybody's different. Um, yeah. So like I've learned that like I can eat a loaf of bread every day and that doesn't affect my stomach. But white potatoes, white potatoes affect my stomach. That's so funny how country I just sounded, potatoes. <laughs> um, white potatoes affect my stomach negatively. If I eat like two portions of white potatoes within two days, like on the third day, my pants will be tighter. Hmm. It literally is quick. And so, and conversely, if I've got to film something, Salmon and sweet potatoes, like just swoosh, just pull me, just jack, just lean me right out. Yeah. Um, the other thing I learned, one of I don't, I'm not an alcohol guy, but I do love me some Coca Cola, and so that that fructose corn syrup was like the death of me, right? Kind of like with the white potatoes, but then. I went to Africa and was on safari for the first time. And I let myself drink two Cokes a day. I was like, you know what? You're on safari. You're in this magical situation. And I lost a pound. And what I discovered is that the Coca-Cola in Africa is with real cane sugar. Mm -hmm. And so that was affecting processing in my body different than the high fructose corn syrup. So I even know like what kind of Coke to drink if I'm going to drink a Coke now. Yeah. But I was very deliberate in like, let me figure out 
how different things affect my body, you know? Yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I want to take a U-turn because a big part of this uh, podcast is about people's journeys to their their uh, Broadway debuts. And you had said that you were a college football player planning to be a lawyer. And then all of a sudden you took a turn and, and you became an actor. Can you tell us about how that all happened and then led to you being on Broadway? Yeah, well, that's the, again, that's a whole nother podcast too. But let me, okay, so let me, I got to figure out how to do this. Yeah, give us, <laughs> this succinctly. Yeah, give the footnote. Any of it, yeah. So I, I, I get to Rice uh, on a Rice University on a football scholarship to be a lawyer. At that time, I had started singing at this big mega church um, as a so. So I grew up singing with my, with my older sister. She was going to be the first black country female star. She's got a, a voice between um, uh, Tony Braxton and Patsy Klein. Okay. And she's beautiful. So I was like her five year younger little brother who was like her doo-wop guy. Like I was just like a prop for her. It was very clear. Nobody ever said that, but I always knew that's what it was. And I wasn't interested in that. I just kind of did it. And I wanted to be a lawyer to be a judge my whole life. So then she at 18 decides she doesn't want to do it anymore. So then the people who were calling for us, I was kind of left over. So, and I'm talking about weddings and Kiwanis luncheons and state fairs and that kind of stuff. So people still called for us, but I was the only one around to do it. Well, then my dad, we went to this big mega church in Houston, and then I started singing solos there. And then they had this big thing for the president of the United States that that I was the, the lead voice with a thousand voice choir that they ended up showing on CNN. And the president got up and shook my hand after my big long note. So after that was over, people started calling me from all over the world to sing at their churches. So that's when I thought, well, if that's, I was literally in spring training at the end of my freshman year in a hurdler stretch in my football gear thinking, I wish I could accept some of these gigs next fall, but I'm not going to be able to because I'm going to have football games. And then I thought, but if I want to really be doing the gigs, then I'm probably going to quit football. And if I'm going to quit football, I need to do that now. Because I was recruited to take over for the guy who won the Doak Walker Award, which was the best running back in the country. So I was recruited to fill some, because I was, I was a good football player. So I was recruited to replace him. So it was like they put all this weight on me, right? So I thought, well, if I'm going to quit, I need to do this now so they can find somebody else. So I quit that day. 
ended up getting into the music school. That's a whole other thing. Anyway, was thought that I was going to have this contemporary Christian ministry, right? So at this point, my junior and senior year, I'm taking voice lessons. I'm really learning how to do this. And I'm traveling all over the world, singing at all these Christian uh, religious functions. I graduate. I moved to Nashville. I got a record deal with one of the top Christian labels. And in one of our first meetings, they said, okay, you need to get married to a woman right now. And I was like, oh, nobody has said nothing about that. Um, and so I just was like, wait, you you want me to sing about God's truth, but being a sham marriage? I don't know about that. And so I left it. I walked away from it and I randomly got this cruise ship job. Literally, I was carpooling with some friends. I ended up working at Opryland, USA. And I was carpooling with some friends who were going to a cruise ship audition. And one of them came out and said, hey, they do Dream Girls on the ship. And I thought, I know a song from Dream Girls. Um, granted, my, my experience in college was classical. So I had very limited musical theater experience or knowledge because I went to a classical vocal performance school that was all about opera. So I went in off the street, audition, got the gig. It then toured uh, out of Fort Lauderdale for six months. Then they basically fired all the black people and changed the show to 42nd Street. And then I stayed with one other person. They took out the love interest between me and Becky Sawyer because I was Julian Marsh because she was white and I was black. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Oh. Um, so I did that for three months while it sailed uh, to New York every Saturday. And then I had my friends, and I'm almost done with the story. And then my friends were auditioning on the port day. Okay. And I thought, well, let me set up an audition. So I set up an audition and it was for the national tour of Ain't Misbehaving with the Pointer Sisters. And Arthur Faria offered me the job on, at the audition. He offered me a swing. And I said, what's a swing? And he said, oh, you're kind of in the middle between the role of Ken and Andre. So you'll just do the role when they get sick or they're not there. I said, oh, so I won't work every day? He said, no. I said, oh, I don't think I want to do that. This is just me being a naive cocksure, 23-year-old or whatever I was, 22. He said, okay, hold on for one second. He went back in the room. He came back out 15 minutes later and said, okay, we'd like to offer you the role of Andre. And don't audition for anybody else. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm not sure about that, Mr. Faria. Anyway, so I went home, told my parents, I think I can be who I am and do what I think I'm really going to love in New York City. So my dad called my cousin in the Bronx, said, I'm sending my boy up there to live with you. And four months later, I was I did not take the tour because, again, with my cocksure naivete, I was like, well, if I'm coming up here to be on Broadway, I need to be on Broadway. And four months later, I was in a Broadway show called Play On. And uh, that, unfortunately, was one of the most fantastic shows that nobody saw. Tanya Pinkins, Andre DeShields, uh, Lawrence Hamilton, Carl Anders, Anderson, Yvette Casson. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. And. Uh, so we ran for about five months and then, and then I ended up going to, I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. So let me figure out how to uh, connect these words and these songs that now I can sing the songs. Now I need to like be able to act them. So I went to Meisner uh, school for a year and a half in New York and uh, then decided I wanted to leave and went to Germany for a couple of years and did Saigon and did a bunch of tours and really enjoyed all that. And then about 10 years ago, I thought, okay, you know, let's settle. And so I bought an apartment and have just been kicking around for the last 10 years. 
That's, that's it. Amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're, we're going to have to have you back on for more details about this for sure. Yeah, that's, every, time I, every time I tell it, ah, you got a pooch. Yeah, right. Every time I tell it, it's like, it's, it's crazy to even relive and think about all of that. And just, just, yeah, it's so many crazy things. But, you know, I just kind of followed my life as it unfolded. And I've always been like, I don't have to figure it all out today. And that and that philosophy has been helpful for me in the midst of this unknown that we're in right now. Right. You know, because I don't you know, there's some there's a few TV things that are that are coming. But even even those options are like, well, we're not going to film until October, or November. Um, and so, you know, the two things that I've kind of learned in this situation is that I just have to keep myself prepared one day at a time, but I don't have to have it all figured out. And also, you know, change my pronouns and realize that this isn't happening to me, that this is happening to us. You know, I, I wasn't the only one who couldn't get on unemployment for five weeks and was freaking out. I, I had to remind myself, oh, wait, there are millions of people that are trying to do this. You know, there are millions of actors like me who are thinking, okay, what do I do next? When will I make my next income? And so I have to realize, oh, yeah, I'm not alone in this. And I'm just like they're going to figure it out, I'm going to figure it out. Um, and so changing my pronouns has really helped me when I feel a little nervous or on the ledge. Um, yeah. And, you know, not to be like trite, but, you know, and really coming back to working out in fitness has really been extremely important to just kind of keep my mind sane and to work out, you know, literally and physically some of the the mental stuff that's going on and the physical stuff that's going on. And it's kind of kept me, you know. Yeah. When you're wanting to be your best for yourself or others, you have to take the time to take care of you first, mentally, yeah. spiritually. It's, it's kind of like, you know, a metaphor of you're on the, on the plane and you're about to take off and they tell you about, the air mask and they say, make sure to put your air mask on first mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, I remember it's funny you say that. I remember as a kid that was really striking to me. And I would always think to myself, are you crazy? My mother's going to put mine on first because she's going to save me. I remember always thinking that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. My parents are going to make sure I stay alive first. And then really when I was around 15, I heard it and I thought, Oh, wait a minute. But if they don't have oxygen to live, they can't help me. And then, you know, yeah, yeah, that's a great metaphor, I think. Three things I wanted to recap from what you said, just so our listeners out there um, don't miss any of it. The first was about um, you saying to yourself that I don't have to figure this all out right now. And whether that's about your career or whether that's about what's going on right now, that it's important that you take the steps that are in front of you presently and try to stay within yourself on that current day and, and letting tomorrow take care of itself by you being ready for it when it actually happens as opposed to worrying. Um, right. And, and, and I will say like, for instance, you know, in this time of COVID of like being asked to put things together and have zoom meetings and, you know, technology is, is not, I am not a technical person. The first couple of months of all of this, I was really kind of stifled and I realized it had to do with, you know, control and feeling like, wow, I don't have any control of what's going on in my life. But then I realized part of my problem was 
every time I had, I was asked to do something, I had to like refigure out how to do it. Okay, I'm going to do this one downstairs, and then my mother's got to turn off the game show she's watching because it's it's dinging. And then, you know, my sister's cooking, and I'm trying to figure out. And so finally, I sat my family down, and I was like, okay, I I need to figure out like a plan so that the technical aspect just stays set up. And so we did that, and it was very helpful. It relieved a lot of stress. I mean, we have a like right now. I have a red ribbon. That's the code. It's on the door outside, so they know not to come in. You know, I got a desk. I got the ring light. Um, you know, it's like, well, let me get all that stuff together. You know, what I can control, and I and and you know, we we I bought some new furniture in the room that I'm in, so that it doesn't look crazy when I'm up here filming, and people can see the background, and you know, like all these all these little things. So I can't control you know, what's coming at me or what, or what is not coming at me. But what I could control was how prepared I am when it comes, you know? And so that's, that's kind of a practical up-to-date example. And I didn't buy like the best, most expensive ring light. I bought the middle of the road one that works just fine in this room because there's some natural light and I'm using my nephew's laptop, you know, the, the one that, that he doesn't use for school. And so, you know, it's not like it's all about having money and whatever, because, you know, ain't nobody got any money right now in the time of COVID. But it's also like, well, I got to invest in like whatever few opportunities I have. I need to be able to put them together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last thing I it's a little fun thing that I was just thinking about uh, looking at your your extensive credits that you guys can see in the uh, comments or description of this podcast. One of your Broadway shows was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I've always been so curious about your opening night party or like gifts or whatever. How, how much chocolate was involved with like opening night parties or just being a part okay, of Let me that. tell you what, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say this. <laughs> if our opening night, if our, if our chocolate factory on stage had looked like the opening night party, we'd still be running. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Amazing. Our opening night party was unbelievable. There was oh a chocolate fountain with flowing liquid chocolate, and everybody <laughs> lost their minds. We unfortunately didn't have that on stage, but we had it at the opening. And there was bags of candy, and just it was colorful, and it was everywhere. It was all over the place. Oh my God. Okay, that's all I will say. <laughs> so that, that did not disappoint. That's exactly what I no, had in mind. That no, it was spectacular. That was really a special, that whole experience was just awesome. Tristan and I playing the Beauregards, we, we just had a ball together. And, and Jack O'Brien is like just old school and cool as he can be. And Mark and Scott wrote Tristan and I a new song. And we just had so much fun. And it was also really special. I had, um, I had five of my best friends come to that opening and I, and I called their spouses and I said, I can't invite you because I literally just want my five best friends with me. And so my, my, my two girlfriends who were like married with a zillion kids, I called their husbands and said, I'd, I'd love for them to be able to come. Can you hold the fort down? Like before I even asked them, I like got their posse in order. And one of my friends flew from Qatar and another friend of mine flew from California. And it was five 
uh, I'm sorry, six, six of my very best friends were all with me that I've known for over 20 years. And we just had, it, it was one of the, it was, it was one of the most fun weekends I've ever had in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Alan, that's going to be a great place to cap it there for today. Thank you so much for being on Bill for the Sage podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And keep those videos coming on Instagram. You'd be inspiring all of us. <laughs> we will, we will yeah. for sure. If you want to check out Alan on Instagram, you can uh, visit his profile at Alan H. Green. Um, we're obviously at Bill for the Stage on Instagram. You can give us a follow um, and check out what's going on with Alan and us at BFTS. Once again, this podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. You can go to bpn.fm to check out a ton, 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 ton of uh, Broadway podcasts of your liking. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, leave a comment. If you want that free trial, you can go to billforthestage.com. Thank you so much again, Alan, for being on the episode. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. Cheers to you all. It's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.